Welcome to the Research in Focus podcast. Today, we are joined by Dr. Carolina Bergonzani, who holds a PhD in arts education from Simon Fraser University. She recently received the Outstanding Dissertation Award for Arts and Inquiry in Visual and Performing Arts from the American Educational Research Association. Her research focuses on integrating the body into teaching and learning, using dance, writing, and teaching as essential parts of her methodology. We are delighted to have her here to discuss her research practice. Hello, Carolina. How are you today? I am very good, thanks. Congratulations on receiving Outstanding Dissertation Award at AERA this year. First of all, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience? Hi, uh, my name is Carolina Bergonzoni. I use she, her pronouns. I am a dance artist, a somatic educator and practitioner, and an emergent scholar. I have a PhD in education, as well as a few degrees in philosophy and a master in contemplative media arts. And through my career, I've been very lucky to be able to work as a dancer, art administrator, choreographer, facilitator for an inclusive dance company named All Bodies Dance Project, which brings together dancers with and without disabilities, as well as dancers that you normally uh, wouldn't see on stage in the um, colonial mainstream um, type of dance that we're used to experience. Wow, this is really unique. My next question is, could you provide us a more detailed explanation of your dissertation? Yeah, uh, my dissertation was uh, titled Era Vin of In-Betweens, The Body, Dance, and Riding into the Excess. I conceptualized my dissertation really as an invitation for the readers to follow their own desire and I start with a series of signposts of like guideposting for the reader to decide what direction to take. So it's not a traditional dissertation with like a, a set sequence of like chapter one to chapter seven. Um, you can kind of like pick and choose where you want to go with it. I combine in my dissertation a series of uh, different accessibility practices. So all of my visual have image description. I have three dance videos that are absolutely essential to the dissertation, are not an extra, they are the dissertation. And the three videos come with audio description, which is a practice of describing what's happening on screen. I've also uh, tried my best to combine um, different ways of accessing the work. So I have graphic recordings as a way to provide a visual for folks that maybe don't want to read the dissertation, but they still could uh, have enough information through uh, this recording of my research. And also there are little moments uh, for the readers to reconnect with their bodies and to pay attention to what their body is doing in that moment. Wow, this is great. You are using a lot of interactive media to be part of your dissertation. In your dissertation, you mentioned writing 
becomes dancing and the dancing becomes writing. Can you share more about your personal experience in this unique research journey? Yeah, um, so my supervisor uh, was Dr. Stelesse Snover, who has uh, written extensively on the idea of writing from the body. I feel like I almost brought it a step further in that to me, it's not just about writing from the body, it's really writing while dancing and dancing the readings and dancing the writing. I developed a practice that I named Dancing, Reading, Writing. And that practice was really the core of, I guess what you would call a methodology. I really like to call it a practice in that I kept moving in between going to the dance studio, dancing, and then right from that place of being fully embodied and fully in my body, and then go back to reading my writing again, or maybe reading an author and see how that might have shaped my, my next piece of dance or my next piece of writing. Uh, and in that, I think it's what I mean by the writing becomes the dancing and the dancing becomes the writing. I don't think I can fully separate these two practices. For me, they're so intertwined, intertwined and they become one another. I see actually the practice of this dancing inspire you or inspire your writing at some degree, give you as a researcher new insight about this process. Am I right? Yeah. Now, my next question is, how can you help us to understand the notion of art-based research? And what is your definition? That's such a good question. <laughs> um, I, art-based research, it's at this point, uh, an umbrella term that really um, contain so many different practices and methodology and what they all have in common is uh, valuing the artistic practices not just as kind of like a creation that happens after but as the practice that allows art-based researcher to collect data to read data to write and um, that creative component it's essential from the design of the research all the way to the final outcome, for lack of a better term. So for me, uh, I, I grew up as a dancer and uh, dance has always been my main art practice. Although I think since my uh, doctoral journey, I have incorporated more like poetry um, as well as like um, autobiographical writing. But I think I want to focus on dance because that's really what is my strong suit and what I really believe and value. Uh, it's the body and everything that the body does, dancing being one of the things that the body can do. Um, as I said, my entire research journey started from dance. And dance, without dance, I could not have done my research. <laughs> uh, so for me, my definition of art-based research is starting from an art practice, using that art practice as a way to dive deeper into data, and then using that art practice also has a potential to connect with different audiences. So some of my publication, for example, or even my dissertation, um, 
it's not just a piece of writing. I do have videos that uh, are equally important. I do have um, an art practice that allows me to connect with maybe dancers that would not have a, um, a way into academia and talk to them about inclusivity in dance, disability in dance. Uh, my whole research journey can be approached from so many different. I see. Now, in your AEIA paper, you mentioned that the body as an instrument, rather than considering dance as a metaphor for research. Can you elaborate this more to our audience? Or can you tell us more about these ideas, where it's come from? Totally. Um, so I think that's a little bit of a, of a critique of um, the way that sometimes dance has been used um, primarily outside of the field of art space research, um, where, you know, even the very own fact that there is like, dance your PhD dissertation. Uh, dance is kind of like becomes this way to use the body as a metaphor for the research, which is very different than what I believe and what I did in my dissertation, which is using dance as the research. So it's not so much about making a dance piece that it's about a topic, it's using dance to collect data, to write the data, and then potentially there might be a dance piece, but it's not um, a tool to get to something else. So uh, Carl Bagley and Ricardo Castro Salazar did talk about um, the body as an instrument within the research process. And despite the fact that I have a bit of a, of a, of a tension, I guess, uh, with the word instrument in that makes the body feel more like an object that I would like, I do think it's a very good way to describe the idea that dance and the body are part of the research. They are what allow the research process to happen and not just um, an element that occur at the end. It's not that I use, say, a different qualitative methodology and then I make a dance piece of this at the end. Dance and my body are the researcher. I can't separate them from who I am. In your paper, you quoted Dr. Celeste Snowbird's concept of data that will be enfreshed in the physical nuances of lived experience which she discussed in her article, Dancing the Data. Could you please elaborate on your understanding of this data as a dance artist, educator, and a researcher? I think I've touched about this already a little bit um, yeah. in that um, there is this idea that uh, Celeste really brought up 20, 30 years ago, really, that I'm piggybacking on <laughs> of uh, the, the data that are already present and that we can discover by attuning to our body. I think my contribution to this conversation and what I have uh, written about in my dissertation, it's just something that really comes out of my um, experience being a dancer, an educator and a researcher. I talk of this body data as excessive bodies data or excessive data in that you know when you are in the studio and you're doing dance and you're doing research there is this 
impossible beautiful task that is capturing the the body data sometimes i had very a very difficult time in trying to put into language in what my body already was doing or what my body already knew through the dance and so i talk about uh, excessive data as data that cannot fully be captured into language and at the same time data that leave a very tangible uh, imprint in the form of like sweat, changing body temperature, um, hair that gets all over the floor, the dust that gets attached to my clothes. So it's kind of like this um, play in between the tangible and the intangible, the visible of the invisible of data that exists in my body that I can collect through my dancing. And part of this data cannot fully be translated into language. And yet I think anyone who walks into a dance room can see the physical, tangible data that the body has left behind. And so my all research and my uh, all um, practice of dancing, reading, writing, it's really uh, how to capture in a way that can be uh, shared with other this information that otherwise would be lost. And I'm convinced that in order to do this, we have to bring the body back into scholarship and not kind of like constantly think that the body is too much or that the body is like excessive. Don't bring the body into the room. Don't bring the body into the classroom. Um, I, I advocate for the opposite. And I think if we bring the body back into scholarship, we will collect more data than if we try to stay objective and not bring our own uh, body into the, into the research. Again, it's this impossible task with live performances of how do we capture it when also recognizing that sometimes that capturing a moment in time, uh, something get lost. The three videos that are in my dissertation, um, two of them were actually conceived as videos from the beginning. So I feel those are really a great example of heart-based research methodology. Um, and I use video not just as a way to document a process, but I wanted to make true film and I did. Um, and then the third video uh, that was more an attempt to capture my practice. And so that is one where the audience, the reader can experience, hopefully, <laughs> the journey that I have been through. And uh, I, I think by seeing that video and then maybe reading the work or vice versa, you first read the dissertation and then you go to the video, whatever process you decide to go through, um, one complements the other. Like they can, they are not separated entities. They really... They, it all comes together. You need the video to understand the writing and you need the writing to understand the dancing, which again, it's to me this idea of the dancing becomes writing and the writing becomes dancing. Thank you so much, Carolina, for sharing this. And uh, I'm learning a lot from you through <laughs> this conversation. Thank you. I have a few, few publications coming up in the near future, so... If anyone wants to Google me, <laughs> I'm sure um, they should come out in the next uh, six to a month to a year. We all know how academic publishing works. 
And I'm really excited to share three papers at IRA and I will also be at York for Congress and I will be presenting there too. You are listening to the Research in Focus podcast. We hope it provided you with insights and new perspectives on educational research. Thank you once again for tuning in. Thank you.